Welcome to the Health Fix Podcast, where health junkies get their weekly fix of tips, tools, and techniques to have limitless energy, sharp minds, and fit physiques for life. Hey, health junkies. On this episode of the Health Fix Podcast, I'm interviewing Leanne Amanda. She's a conscious relationship expert. She's a teacher and she is a guide. And she has dedicated her life to helping folks find conscious, loving relationships with themselves and create it with others. Now, gosh, where was she when I was in my 20s? But nevertheless, the point here is this is a great podcast for anyone who's trying to rekindle their relationship with their partner, trying to make things a little better, trying to find that true love and and that filter with which to find it. She's got a lot of great tidbits in this podcast. And my goodness, like I said before, where was she in my 20s? So whether you are back out in the dating field, whether you are looking to spice up your current relationship, looking to to just really enhance the one that you have, this podcast is for you. So let's introduce you to Leanne Amanda. Hey, health junkies. I have Leanne Amanda on and we're going to be talking about something that I feel like I keep saying this over and over again, all these new things. But today we're talking about relational health and something that I have found to be so important in my patients' lives that it could be like the main health thing that is like that linchpin to getting to where they want to be and optimizing their health. So Leanne, welcome to the Health Fix Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So before we hit record and and we had a little session of chatting, we had talked about just relationships as a whole and how as women, sometimes we have this thing of, of being chosen and having someone choose us in a relationship, but then we really don't const- you know, tap into that concept of having say about it. And I'd love to dive in to that and talk about how we set ourselves up for relationships that might not be the most ideal when we have this concept of choose me, choose me versus I choose them. I know it's a loaded question, but let's let's dive into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first, there are so many things that feed into this, and I know I'm going to end up going on a rant that's going to cover a lot of colors of this situation. But I think as you know, I've been doing this for seven or eight years now, and what I have come to see is that. We, and I I don't know if I can make a generalization based on gender, but what I can say is that sometimes depending on where we come from, our familial background or whatever childhood we had or what experiences wounded us, we are seeking the experience of being chosen. We are seeking the experience of being enough, being loved belonging. There's sort of like all of these different flavors of, of, um, core feeling we want to feel, or this experience we want to have that may have been the core thing we didn't experience that we go out and search for out in our romantic lives. And we all know that our family really sets us up for how we do relationship, right? That's by now that's textbook, Mm -hmm. but what this is about is the core feeling you are searching for that you didn't get as a child. And for those of us who go out into relationship, um, you know, and then experience on dates or, or what have you, where somebody chooses us, it can be so 
so fueling and feeding and soothing to the soul, the wounded part of our soul that needs that, that we actually don't question as much if we want to be with that person or not. We just want to feel loved. We want to feel loved that way that we've been craving. So this really is about a deep underlying craving that we have from a lack or a missingness from our childhood. That makes sense so far? Absolutely. Absolutely. I can see some parallels in my life for sure. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. I have no idea what we're talking about. I've never done this in my life, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But, um, and, and so one of the things that ends up happening is the experience of being chosen is intoxicating. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I talk about in my coaching and talking about relational health is talking about emotional sobriety. So emotional sobriety is the ability to separate yourself from the core wounds of your upbringing so that you can be the adult in relationships you're meant to be. And being an adult in relationships looks like making choices from who you are as, as a woman now, right? Like who you are separate from your programming, from, you know, whatever unhelpful stuff came from your childhood, because we all have it mm-hmm. separate from that stuff, or maybe having integrated that stuff. But the point is not letting it run you mm-hmm. who from adult, powerful woman now are you choosing to be with and who are you choosing to be? That's that's emotional sobriety. Hmm. Um, yeah. So the separation from that wound, understanding it, knowing, knowing it exists, but then being able to choose something that isn't linked or, or tied to that, or, 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 um, you know, you can have for survival mechanisms or they can have you. Hmm. Yes. Like everybody has survival mechanisms, but a lot of people are totally had by their survival mechanisms. Their survival mechanisms have their way with them. And part of what I believe doing conscious love is about is having your survival mechanisms, like they're on a leash. You see them, you understand them, like they're, they're there. You've acknowledged and integrated them, but they, they don't run your life. And when you let somebody choose you without choosing them, that's just one way a coping mechanism can run your life. Hmm. So that kind of feeds us into the other thing we kind of talked about too, is like being lazy with love and, you know, doing that whole concept of like, well, they chose me. So I'm going to go along that way. (laughs) I'm just going to follow the path. Well, lazy love can just look so many different ways, right? It can look like, um, oh, this person chose me and now I get to coast in this love rather than heal my wounds. Or it could be, yeah, like um, I've been with this person for a long time and like I know them and there's nothing new I could discover about them. They are who they are. Or it could look like, um, uh, yeah, like this person knows that I love them. So I don't need to compliment them. I don't need to do that extra little nice thing for them. They know I love them, right? There's so many little ways that we um, get lazy with love, including the being chosen dynamic. That whole concept you just mentioned about, oh, they they love me. I don't really need to do anything. You know, I wonder if that is somewhat what leads us into the state that we are 
right now, as we get older, as we get into menopause, we've been married to someone for, you know, 10 plus years. And, you know, I'm talking about all of us ladies who, you know, myself, I've been married 12, you know, it's, it's that state of like comfortableness in addition to lazy and like, oh, I'd love to hear, I guess where I'm going with this is I'd love to hear how we can spice things up a little bit to come out of lazy and have folks, you know, step out of their comfort zone a little bit. Okay. So there are two routes I can go about this. There's the deep route and the shallow route. I'm going to go both. The first route, you know, some relationship psychologists will just tell you, you need to experience your partner in the same space, but apart from one another, watching each other do your own thing. You need to create separation and you need to watch each other do separate things, but also be in a space where you've created an obstacle to your longing, right? Like those are some um, more surface level things that you can create in the moment. We can get into that in a second, but the deeper layer I want to talk about with this is there's... Mm, Okay, so when we enter relationship, we are essentially choosing to exchange with that person our most precious commodity. And what's our most precious commodity? Ourselves. Time. Ooh, I was gonna say ourselves. I'm even wrong on this. That's true. That's true. But with but with ourselves comes our time. They're very linked, right? And yes, you're right. Absolutely. Also, we are like this valuable thing that we hand over. So yes, I agree with you. That gets to come into this. Um, but when we give our time, that's something that we can't reverse, right? And, and something that I find so interesting is that human beings, we kind of forget about time. Like we kind of forget that time is really passing us by. And we forget that when we choose somebody, we are actually, you know, especially when we marry somebody and we exchange vows, we say, I'm actually going to see to it that your life is going to be what it's going to make you happy. Like your life is going to be what you want it to be. Right. Nobody, nobody thinks about this, but, but really when you check in, how many people on their wedding day are thinking like, I hope that the moment, like right up until the moment, my love, my partner dies, that they just feel filled up and that they are getting what they need, right? Versus like they're on their wedding day and they're like, I hope we're happy. I hope we make it, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, or, or even like, shit, like only one person forever. And what's that gonna be like? There are so many different ways that we can have these like internal monologues go on when we think about committing to somebody. And for the people who want to spice things up, I encourage them to tap into, you know, what was it? And maybe it's changed over time because our needs change over time. What did your partner say when you asked them how you could make them happy? What did your partner say that would really make them fulfilled in this life? What is on their bucket list? What haven't they done yet? You are the co-steward of their one precious life. And are they happy? What are you doing about it? This is the question that always brings me back to whether it feels dull or mundane, or even if we're in a conflict, you know, with my partner, it's like, 
how can I come back to the ultimate truth, which is that time is finite and let that guide how I relate to my partner. Wow. Wow. Definitely some things I never thought about on my wedding day. (laughs) Definitely (laughs) a lot of things folks didn't think about. So one of the things I found with myself and I found with women in general that I talked to in my practice, they're like, man, you know, I feel like I'm such a different person than who I was when I got married. And now I'm still questioning like who I am and I don't even know who I am. So how can, how do I navigate this, this relationship and keep it going for another 50 plus years? Mm, yeah. So the question of who am I, I find is, is such an important question to even start asking yourself before you even say I do, right? Like it is like, how do you know? And this is something that I encourage my clients to venture into. How do you know that you've chosen somebody that you can live life with if you're still unsure? Like who, how are you going to move through change together? How, how do you, how do you move through the topic of identity together? Like these are all kind of meta conversations to even have with your spouse, right? How do we want to move through these topics together? Um, I find that especially I, I talk to women about this all the time, knowing who you are is maybe through many different flavors going to change colors over time, but some things actually will stay the same. And when you find those anchors, those anchors can fuel your other bouts of change and fluidity and, and, and you can hold on to them as you move through this change. For example, right. I, for, Oh, I mean like seven years there back when I was starting at 19, I was a yoga teacher. My whole thing was like, I'm about, you know, yogic pursuit. To me, there was something so amazing about the divine pursuit of what yoga provides a soul. And as somebody who was like a young lost soul, that to me was like, wow, this is just such a beautiful thing to explore. And I, I dove into it so deeply. I started yoga at 14 actually, and was so inspired. I became a yoga teacher at 19. And when I dove into that world, I, I just thought this, this is a piece of my identity. Right. And then when I did my psychology degree, there was so much that like I was the one in the um, uh, after hours labs, having electrodes on my head, being tested on for extra credits. I was the psych geek, right? Like I, I loved that. And then when I became a coach and realized like, I love evoking the best in people, that was something that I also identified with my identity. And so I switched into that. I thought I was going to be a therapist. I became a coach instead. Um, you know, like there have been so many shifts in, in my quote unquote identity. But when I ask myself, what is the steady anchor for all of those things? There are some things that are unchanging. I'm a stand for love for self and other. I'm a stand for uh, greatness. And I'm also a stand for empathy. Those are three things that for me will never leave my identity. And Maybe I'll go through some hard things that will test those values and test those pieces of my identity. But ultimately, if I know that I choose to come back, they're always there. They're always my values, right? So for women who are 
you know, asking themselves, who am I? And I'm changing now. How do I, how do I navigate being this new person with my partner? I would say, what are those anchored pieces of you that you know you stand for or care about? I truly believe that all women are an expression of love. I truly believe that all women care about love. And that if the world was entirely left up to women, community-based love and thriving would just be like all over the place. Like I truly believe that. And so there is such a beauty to the way woman is, right? That for me is so linked to love and empathy that, um, and that's the potential of, of us, right? As, as a, as a people, I'll say, um, that I believe that all women can tap into that. They can say, you know, whether they're like, it doesn't matter what their personality is like, but there is always something that they care about deeply or would fight Mm -hmm. for or would stand for. Mm -hmm. And it usually is fueled with love. So that can always be tapped into. Um, and maybe it's not that maybe you just, your anchor is creativity, right? Like whatever it is, pick it. And it's beautiful, whatever it is. And then once you know what your anchor is, that can help you still relate to when you you and your partner are connecting, that's your basis. Mm -hmm. That's your wholeness you're tapping into. When I'm connecting with my my partner, this I'm connecting from that place of love and empathy and greatness. That will always be my anchor when I connect with my person. And then whatever changes you flow through get to be tied into the context of that. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Do you do you think that anchors between partners should not match per se, but complement each other for a relationship to work out or or one to salvage? Let's put it that way. Because I know this age where I'm at, all of the friends who were married in their 20s are now contemplating what to do in the 40s and beyond. It seems to be, you know, I'm sure you see it too. It seems to be the time of when people start to get divorced. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm kind of looking at it in terms of, okay, what, what about looking at the anchors and, and do they need to match? Do they need to have some synchronicity? You know, how does that work when we're looking at the ideal partner? Well, define synchronicity. That could look a lot of different ways. Sure. So I guess if I had to look at it, I would look at Instead of synchronicity, maybe complementing. Do anchors, like say someone's creative and another person is very analytical. Does Can can that work? How does that look? I, I guess I'm looking at maybe it mm-hmm. a little differently, but just a question. Right. Okay, so that, there are so many factors in that question and I would have to know the couple. So I'll sure. say that it's annoying, okay? But I know, but- Let's just take hypothetical, analytical person and creative person. If I were to ask about the hidden dream or the deeper craving of both of those people, one of them might say freedom and one of them might say truth, right? One of them, uh-huh. one of them, one of the, let's say the analytical person is tirelessly analytical because what they care about is always unearthing the truth right? Mm -hmm. That like for them, their value is truth. And the creative person is always creating and expressing so that they can reach freedom. They are seeking freedom. My question is how can truth and freedom nourish each other? Okay. It's not just about your analytical or you are 
creative, but how can the dream underneath, how can those two things nourish one another? How can those two things complement one another? Okay. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Nourish is a good word. Absolutely a good word because it is one of those things that this this day and age, I feel like a lot of women in my practice come in and, and part of what's got them stressed, what is frustrating them, maybe even contributing to some of their health issues is truly not knowing if they are with the correct partner. What do they do? You know, how yeah. do we, we keep this going? Yeah. Okay. So again, two ways I can answer here and I'm always going to give both. Mm-hmm. First is that I teach something called the art of filtration, which I, I named it that way because when we choose our life partner, what we're really doing is we're filtering through whether or not like who's passing our filter, mm-hmm. who, who gets through our filter. And ultimately what is our filter? What mm-hmm. makes up our filter? What makes us say not this person and yes, this person. And when we get into the question of filtering, that's when we have an opportunity to be bold and ask interesting questions. So I ask, I, I, I um, encourage my clients to ask their dates, like right from the get-go, questions about what they want, questions about their family, questions about, you know, um, how they handle stress. Uh, there are so many questions I encourage them to ask. And of course, you know, maybe everybody's kind of a little more performative in the beginning and you start to learn about things later on and then disillusionment happens and you start to see more traits, but ultimately you are still dating through the lens of, you know, what am I really learning about this person now? What real questions am I asking? So there are, so whether let's say a current client of yours reflects on how they chose their partner. Mm-hmm. How selective were they? What went into choosing their partner? What did they want to know about their partner? And they asked or they didn't ask. These are some places for them to reflect. And if they realize there's a depth there that they haven't gone into with the partner they chose, might be time to ask those questions. Right? Like it that. might be, yeah, it might be time to um renew, you know, um, Esther Perel says she's been married to the same man like five times because she just keeps creating a new marriage with him and they keep changing and then they keep renewing wanting to be together, but that they know that marriage is going to look different. Right. So, you know, for example, when maybe when she became a mother, their dynamic was different. So now they're in a different marriage. Maybe when she went through menopause, now their marriage looks different because there's a different dynamic, right? There are so many spaces to move through where you can verbally say, let's renew this rather than kind of let it just keep going and chugging along with no verbal acknowledgement of that. I like, I like the, the multiple marriages. I could see that, you know, different transitions in life, different, you know, things happening. Absolutely. So of course, um, you have a filtration course and I'm wondering, like in, in the back of my mind, I'm like, Hmm, could everyone take that? Not just folks who are dating because in one side, the dating is like, okay, I know a lot of people at this, this stage in life might be looking into dating, but then also, like you said, you could keep asking the questions and maybe have a set of like filtration questions that you ask at any point in your marriage. Do you have those? 
Well, I think that it's important to ask any of the filtration questions in my ebook, like whether you're married or not, even mm-hmm. just to, like your partner mm-hmm. may answer those questions today differently than they would have when you first started dating anyway. Right. So because they, you know, you grow and evolve. So even if they seem like kind of new to each other questions, um, you can get creative in how you answer them. Um, and the, the other, the other side that I was going to respond to, you know, one was like, okay, there's the filtration part before you choose a partner. And then if you're already married and you're wondering whether to stay, sometimes it it really is just about getting in touch with what you need and communicating it and allowing for the space to be that you guys have changed. Mm -hmm. You could literally go to your partner and be like, Hey babe, so we've been together for two decades now. I love you. I'm noticing some changes. Are you noticing some changes in yourself? Like anything like personality changes? Any like, are you like noticing anything different? Your partner might be like, I don't know. And you'd be like, well, I'm noticing some changes. And I'm wondering if we can talk about how we can mold or, or like create newly some understanding of what we need to make each other happy and to get along even better as time goes on. Are you open to that? Your partner would probably be like, cool. You know, like, was your partner going to say, no, I don't want to communicate my needs. Like, then that would be a very telling <laughs> thing. Like that would be an interesting situation. But like generally, if you go to your partner and you say, hey, I'm noticing some changes. I'd love for us to become even more connected and look at some of the ways that we can start to meet each other in new ways. How does that sound to you? Like generally, when a partner earnestly comes to you like that, it would be very telling if your partner didn't respond positively to that, which is another whole topic, which is, how do you and your partner welcome change? Ah. Whole other thing. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, if there wasn't um, some openness in that department, I that's a red flag. <laughs> that would be not not what we would hope for. Not what we would hope for. But definitely something to to consider in terms of okay, now what do we do, and what would be the next steps from there for sure. Yeah, and and. Again, so my mind always comes from foundation, always thinking about the roots up, the roots up. We always have to like be on cement before we do anything, right? Like if you're on like a needle or you're just on some really, really shaky foundation, everything is questionable. Your decisions, your thoughts, your emotions, it's all kind of like, it's 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 less clear than when you have a strong foundation. What I mean by that is, are you taking care of yourself? Are you, you know, taking care of your health? Have you been exercising and getting in sleep and eating well lately? Like these are all the foundational things that if those aren't handled and you're starting to think like, oh, my partner doesn't get my needs met and we're unhappy. That also is interesting because if you're not taking care of you, if you're not making you a priority, where is that playing out in your relationship? Where is that translating to you being unhappy, right? So you, you being responsible for all of your well-being, emotional, mental, physical, all of it, that's, that's the beginning of being able to see the, the dynamics of your relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's, it's huge to take the responsibility for what's on your end versus kind of projecting everything onto 
the other person. It's, it's unfortunately, I see it often. Um, it is a thing, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think it is important to say that. So let's change gears a little bit and go more into the single world. Since a lot of people have let go of relationships and have moved towards dating and moved towards navigating relationships this day and age. Now, there are some different things that are on the horizon. I would love for you to kind of run down like what things should folks be paying attention to? Obviously a filter, getting their filter down, but what else could they be paying attention to to navigate dating in this this day and age? I think the very first thing to be paying attention to is the relationship to themselves. Um, I believe that especially now with social media being such a thing, I notice a lot of clients really questioning their worth or like if they don't look like this filter or they don't look like this, you know, model, like how are they even going to get the courage to um, date? Or, um, you know, I, I see a lot of men actually like, well, um, the economy is so much worse. I make so much less money that goes so like it just doesn't go as far. I can't provide yet. I can't even date yet. Men actually are starting to have this um, this uh, perspective where unless they're making a certain amount or have a certain amount in the bank, they actually aren't allowed to date. They're not worthy of dating yet. Wow. Um, and same and same with women. I notice it's like if I don't look like this chick on Instagram, like. I got to go to the gym before I'm open to dating. It's really interesting. Like there's so many constraints on us now more than ever of us putting pressure on ourselves to be some kind of way. And for me, I advise people to (laughs) honestly come back to who you are as a person, get back in touch with those anchors. Like what are the unmessable parts of you that aren't going anywhere that are what make you, you, you that have nothing to do with like temporary fads or money or power or whatever, right? Like there's some biological and evolutionary reasons for why these things are happening, right? Like we've got some old, old, old gender stories floating around that are now coming up in a new way, thanks to social media. But in general, can we remember to be kind to ourselves, to take care of ourselves, to have integrity first and foremost, to to follow our passions and take care of our livelihood? Can we do all these things that really are about self-care that we can now from a steady foundation venture out into the world with self-love and make dating decisions from there? I truly think that's the first step. And then from there, as you embark in the dating world, I think it's like the biggest thing is being as open as you can about what you want. I think so many people have been playing the game of, um, you know, I know people who have been together or dating like eight or nine months and they haven't even talked about kids yet. And that's unfathomable to me because time is my precious commodity. And if I've been with you for eight months and then you tell me you don't want children, that's going to be a very interesting day. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so to me, I encourage people to say what they want right away. I encourage people to bring consciousness into their dating life, you know, bring, bring a conscious effort to 
notice your own uh, behavioral limitations, notice if you are projecting or if you're getting the tendency where you want to ghost rather than have that uncomfortable conversation. Or if you, you know, I had a really amazing interaction one time, this was years ago before I met my partner. And I went on a few dates with this guy. And I, I started to like, let myself like kind of fall off the radar. Like he would text me and he'd be like, do you want to do this? Do you want to go for a movie, whatever. And I would say like, no, thanks. And then one day he texted me and he was like, you know, I'm, I'm just getting a sense that maybe you're not interested. Can you just confirm this and no hard feelings if that's true, but just like, let me know. And I was like, wow, amazing text. Super proud of this guy for just being honest And I was like, thank you so much. Yes, I'm actually not that interested. And just realizing that now, I'm sorry, but like, you're a cool guy, right? And and his response was, do you mind me asking what it is about me that you're just not interested? Like, can you just give me some feedback? And I was like, man, this guy's great. This is (laughs) epic. So then I say to him, you know, upon reflection, because it was kind of something undistinguished until he asked, And I reflected, I said, I'm really feeling like I need a partner who knows what drives them, who needs a mission. And you're an amazing guy, but I get the sense you don't quite know what your life is for yet. Like, do you know what your mission is? And he sat with it and he went, you know what? I don't. And you're absolutely right. I should probably put my time towards thinking about that. And I was like, amazing. He and I are still friends. He's a great friend. And so that that vulnerability and willingness and openness from both of our sides to have that conversation was a beautiful dating interaction, right? We both really brought this consciousness and this like kind of shared respect that that I think gets so lost um, in the dating world with ghosting and with um, just so many other behaviors that, um, make dating such a traumatizing experience for some people, we really can leave them better than we found them. Hmm. That's so nice to hear because I mean, honestly, if I look back at my dating experience, it was not that great. And, (laughs) you know, I also take responsibility on myself because I really didn't self, let's put it that way, self under, understand myself didn't really understand, you know, what I was getting into. And of course I was putting a lot of my preconceived notions, maybe like what I learned from my family on things, you know, too. So it's, it's good to hear this now. I wish I would have known you when I was back in my twenties. Um, <laughs> it would have been so much better, but you know, here we are. And hopefully, you know, those who are listening right now, if you're not in your early, you know, twenties, which most of my podcast listeners are not, you can share this with your kids or, you know, younger family members too. But I think another big thing that comes up this, this age group is that we also have some losses happening, you know, deaths of, of spouses, accidents, things of that nature. And I know you have some personal experience with this. And I would love if you could share with folks, if someone, you know, you were married to dating, uh, you know, engaged to past, how do you get beyond that? And I know that's a huge question, but what are some of the steps that folks could start taking? And, and please share your story if you're, you're open to it. Right. Of course. So yes, I'm, I'm what I call a pseudo widow because (laughs) I wasn't married when my partner died, but I was engaged and he was like 
my other soulmate, you know, like I'm, I'm so happy I have my partner now and I'll talk about how I found him later, but he, this guy was my soulmate and, you know, we were on a trip in Thailand leading a retreat together and he drowned next to me in a four feet deep pool. And it literally happened so fast. I have no idea how it happened to this day. Um, he was practicing holding his breath underwater. He used to be a diver. He miscalculated something. And then I found him at the bottom of the pool. And for me, this was a whole other initiation in, in learning how to relate to love, right? Like there's my personal story of, of, um, how treacherous that was. And then there's also the gold I pulled from it. Right. And both are equally important, the pain and the beauty. Um, and the beauty was, I threw myself into so many healing modalities. I, I honestly will pitch to anybody listening to your podcast that any type of therapy that you can explore and see if it works for you, I would do it. I explored so many different kinds and learning so much more about somatic health and my nervous system and what this experience did to my nervous system was first and foremost as well as feeling like I, there's no way you can get around feeling losing your partner. Like you just have to feel that. Then came the guilt of joy. When I started to feel joy, when I started to find things funny again, I felt, sad. I felt, how can I possibly be happy with my soulmate gone? That's, that's a betrayal to him. And I was only 25 when this happened. So you can imagine the life that I thought I was going to have to have now of like blackness and darkness, right? To be um, loyal to my soulmate. So now I had to learn how to explore the tender and complicated feelings of I get to be a human being and be happy and sad. I get to be ecstatic and devastated. And that, that, sent me on a, on a whole exploration that had me actually live in like 13 different countries over four years of how can I hold all of life's feelings? How can I hold all the aliveness, the devastation, the beauty, the anger and the rage and the sorrow and the absolute gold, right? And, and that capacity just grew me as a person. I feel like I just expanded to be able to hold more and being able to hold more, I think, is one of the initiations that grief gives you, is, is being able to just hold so much more of what aliveness is. And eventually, you know, I will say that when your partner passes, you will either have a tendency to fill the hole right away or completely shut down, right? And and you will either be like, okay, where where can I experience some semblance of love? Like I know a woman who um, two weeks after her partner had passed, she got into a new relationship, right? She was like, oh my God, I need love, right? Or, um, you know, for me, it took like half a year because I was, and still wasn't ready. I'd say I was probably ready at about two years, but tried at six months and I was like, nope, can't do this, right? And you have to feel into when you are getting into your quote unquote next dating or love experience, are you doing it from distraction? Are you truly feeling the heartbreak you're supposed to be feeling right now? Are you letting yourself be freaking devastated? 
And then when do you say that your body, your nervous system has come back to some semblance of wholeness that you can then again, show up in a new relationship, not comparing to the old, but being with the new. Mm -hmm. So complicated. So many things going through your mind, knowing which direction to go. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. So how did you find your partner now? Tell us that story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, so well, I live a couple minutes away from one of my best friends. He's also a naturopathic doctor and he is like the greatest catch. I just adore this man and him and I are like brother and sister. And he has a habit of, cause he lives so close. He um, will just sometimes be like, Hey, I'm like at your door. What are you doing? And <laughs> on this particular day he showed up, he's like, Hey, have you had dinner yet? And I said, actually, I'm done cooking dinner. Just come on up. And he was like, sweet. So then he came up. And I'm feeding him and we're just sitting at the dinner table eating. And he goes, oh, in a full mouth, he goes, by the way, I need you to get a dating app. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. Like, I don't believe in those. (laughs) And he goes, no, 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 it's not for you. It's for me. I'm on this dating app and I can't get any women to date me. And I don't know why. And I need to see other guys' profiles to see what they're doing these days because I'm not getting any bites. And I was like, okay, so you want me to make a profile for myself, swipe through guys' profiles and give you feedback on who's doing what right and wrong? And he's like, yes. So I'm like, okay, 10 minutes, 10 minutes of this. So then we make me this quick profile. You know, there's a picture of me, a couple of answers, whatever. So then I start swiping through men and I'm like, okay, well, this guy is only talking about beer and golf. Please don't do that. And then I swiped to another guy and I said, this guy's being really vulnerable about he, what he wants in relationship. Please do this. And I would keep swiping and showing him, you know, what different men were doing and how, as a woman that, you know, landed on me and how that felt. And then I looked at his, his profile and I was like, this is awful. We redid it <laughs> using all of the men's profiles we had just looked at. And I came across the guy's profile and I was like, okay, this guy actually is pretty he seems pretty real he seems pretty warm he seems pretty down to earth there's something about him i'm just gonna send him a like i know i'm not supposed to be on here but i'm just gonna send him a like (laughs) and the next morning he had sent me a really thoughtful message and i was like you know what for a dating app this guy seems actually pretty real and later that day we met up for coffee and we've been together ever since that's awesome that's awesome i think a lot of people i mean this day and age like that's how you meet people, you know? And I think for us older folks, it's a little weird, you know, but (laughs) I, I saw my husband on one of the dating apps, like two weeks before we met in Colorado in a bar. So crazy. Like I, my, my cousins had set me up with, with the whole app and the whole in eHarmony or whatever it was. I don't know. Anyway, they set me up with it. And like, literally I saw the picture of my husband. I'm like, oh, he's pretty cute. Oh, he's in the town I'm going to. Cool. And then met him in a bar a couple months later. So it's wild. It's wild how these dating app things kind of work. Maybe I was secretly searching for him in the town, but he doesn't need to know that. We don't need to talk about that. No, 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 not at all. So I- 
but it's fascinating that you mentioned like you were helping your naturopath friend out to um find a dating profile because i can imagine as doctors and and busy professionals we're ba- we're pretty like this is what i got <laughs> you know and yeah, and it, things of that nature yeah it's like i'm really really busy one and two i also really want a high caliber person to match me where am i going to find that level of person right? So like he, he's such an amazing catch, but he has no time. So it was that, that like double whammy. So of course folks want to know now, did you revamping his, his profile, get him a gal? Did he get a catch? Okay. So this is a great question and this is going to reveal some things. So not yet because And I'm going to keep this very wonderful friend anonymous, but he has some very interesting patterns at play where he chooses certain partners that don't choose him. Mm. Talked about women being chosen and not choosing. He, he will choose a woman and give his all to her when she is like expressing very little interest. And Mm. it's, it's like very frustrating because I love him. Um, And it just goes to show that no matter how beautiful your dating profile is, if you are letting your survival mechanisms run you, your relationships will not work. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's on the other side. So he's choosing, 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 and he is dealing with and actually letting himself not be chosen mm-hmm. as he gives. Mm-hmm. He gives. He, he's like, here's a gift. I want to take you out, but he's not receiving it. So what is it in him? that wants to so badly give without the need to receive. That's where I would ask him to look, right? So yes, dating profile, great. However, the patterns are still at play, baby. And so I think this is a great way to sum up our whole podcast is looking at those patterns because ultimately, whether you're in a relationship, you're single, you've lost someone very close to you and you're trying to navigate this whole world of dating again, if you're not right with your patterns, nothing else is going to balance out. So it makes sense. It just makes sense. Yeah. It all comes down to the patterns. The biggest form of self-care is self-understanding. And the more you can understand the depths of how your organism works without your consent, the more you can turn it into being in your consent and in your favor and in your choice. And that you bring that into your relationships. Mm. So, I mean, it's it's valuable information. Where were you when I was 20? Um, dang it. Um, but Leanne, I guess the biggest thing that folks are going to be asking me now is like, okay, so how do how do we explore in ourselves? How can we work with you? You know, tell us about that filtration course we talked about. Give us the scoop so folks can dive deeper into this. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely go to my Instagram, Leanne.amanda, and you can download the free ebook that I wrote. You can also, there's another filtration resource on there. There's 20, 21st-ish date questions. Um, that free ebook, that's a really good one. Um, and also, if you want to work with me, you can just reach out to me. Um, you can book a consultation through Instagram as well. Um, those are the best ways that I would say to get in touch. Awesome. Awesome. I've learned a lot. I'm like, man, like I said before, where were you when I was younger? I'm and and now it's good because now my husband and I are really diving into who we are as people. And so I think, you know, we've got step one. Now we're going to 
use some of your resources to start working on our our questions to get to know each other better. Because on on another note too, I also highly recommend Eight Dates by the Gottmans. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, that is also a great one. And that is also geared towards new and seasoned couples, whether you've been together five weeks or five decades. Got it. All right. I'm familiar with the Gottmans and and the whole concept of, of their work. So this is awesome. Folks, if you're listening, I'll put it into the podcast notes at drjcrossnd.com along with everything that Leanne has mentioned for you guys. Leanne, thanks again for coming on. I sincerely appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for caring about relationships. We got to save them one step at a time here. Yes, ma'am. Hey, health junkies. Are you feeling just off? Feeling like you're aging a little bit faster than you want to and wondering what in the world is up? Hey, I might have some answers for you and some direction. If you want to chat with me, I am offering complimentary calls right now. You can head over to Dr. Spelled Out, J-K-R-A-U-S-E-N-D.com. Take my quiz, click on the schedule a chat, and let's talk and see if we can get you in the right direction. And if I'm able to help you, I'm going to let you know. Otherwise, I'm going to help you find what you're looking for. Head over to drjkrausnd.com and check it out. Hey, fellow health junkie. Thanks for listening to the Health Fix podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in, please help support me to get the word out about the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, and just get that word out. Thanks again for listening.